I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all of the life that happens between them. So we were talking after last week's episode, and we thought it would be worth coming back to the microphone about how I mess up pronouns just everywhere. It's not a trans-specific thing. It's just a Jess's English is weird kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that having grown up bilingual, Mm -hmm. or I should say having grown up in a bilingual home, I would question how functionally literate I am in my second language, but I had enough working knowledge of my stepmother's native language, which is ASL, American Sign Language. My stepmother was deaf, and I grew up with a working proficiency of sign language in order to, you know, be able to manage around the house. Sign language does not have gendered pronouns. He, she, it, any singular pronoun is signed by a point of the finger. That one over there. In the conceptual direction of the subject of the pronoun is just pointed in that conceptual direction. Plurals are indicated by a swipe of the finger, but gender is not indicated in the that sign. What if you're talking about someone who's not there? You would just say their name? You would indicate who you are talking about as a preface to the conversation. And to speak in what is called gloss, um, George, he went to the store. But you said there's no he. Well, that's the thing. George, they went to the store. Mm-hmm. It went to the store. George, go to the store. Mm-hmm. Finish, go to store. Maybe. Past, go to store. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, maybe again go to store. Dislike go to store he. Actually, dislike go to store it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dislike store. People too much. Mm-hmm. People. People. <laughs> you should see him making fun of me signing here. All right. But yeah. I'm I, making fun of people. You're making fun of people. You dislike people. I married an introvert. <laughs> Opposites attract, folks. Yep. So, yeah, like having grown up and then also growing up in an area where Spanish was spoken frequently and then taking French and then as a performer in the opera world, having to learn at least a little bit of a whole bunch of languages. I have that bilingual switch in my brain that turns off parts of phonemic representation of concepts. And so he, she, it, them, I go back to point. That one. That one. <laughs> and that's actually how my mother, my stepmother speaks. You know, she she speaks in gloss. I hate to say it that way. There's not really a better way to say it. Gloss is the term for representing one language in another language. Something like grammatically when there is not an exact grammatical equivalent. 
And so, like, my stepmother still signs letters, loves mom. When she's writing. When she's writing. And, you know, she'll sign a card. And if she has something to say in the card, picture, send me one. She won't say, will you please send me a new picture? She'll say, picture, send me one. She writes like she talks. She writes like she communicates, yes. So, that was my world growing up was questionably gendered anyway, because my internal reality is questionably gendered. I was going to (laughs) say. But, yeah, that's that. Okay. So, the other thing we were going to say following up is that if you like us here, if you listen to us here, you can follow up on our discussions. You can be part of the rest of our world on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Google+. We are on Twitter. And we are on Tumblr. And if you already follow us on one, I would say it's probably best to follow us on more than one, whichever ones you participate in, because we'll post something and we generally blast the same post to all four sites, but the response will not always be the same on each of the sites. We'll get some comments on Facebook and some different comments on Twitter, a reply on Tumblr. These are sporadic, so I'm, you know, pointing that out. Yes. But but nonetheless, you may miss something if you don't know that somebody else said something on a different media. Yes, if, if you're an extrovert like me, or if you're a very social introvert and still like to be part of the discussion, it may not be happening where you're watching us if you're not watching all of our different sites. So whichever ones you participate in, you can follow us on all four of those. That that makes me think we have had a little communication from one of our listeners, and I've really enjoyed, you know, that that interaction. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, yay, I'm talking to some other guy who's like me, and yeah. It's good. Yes, we like to hear from you. So please do comment. Please do write. Please do reblog forward. Let us know what you're thinking. It usually takes us a day or three to get back to you because if you've been listening for any period of time, you know we're a little bit busy. Yeah, and then I say, hey, did you see the thing on the post? And then she has to go look, but usually you have already seen something and then I, you tell me more. I'll, I'll see the Facebook notification pop up or I'll see the Tumblr ask pop up on my phone. But it'll happen while I'm in the middle of teaching a class. Or it'll happen while I'm in the middle of cooking dinner. Mm-hmm. Or in the middle of putting kids to bed. Mm-hmm. And so then it gets put on the to-do list. To check it. And once I've checked it, it gets put on the to-do list again to respond to it. Mm -hmm. But that may not happen for 48 to 72 hours. But we do see what you send us, and we do respond as quickly as we can. And despite the fact that I am an introvert, I I do like to see the posts and the emails and such. There's no immediate demand on an introvert when one of those things comes. It's just like any other mail or... Yes. You know, that comes outside in the mailbox. It's At that point, it's less, I think, about the communication and more about the affirmation. Good point. I'll get back to the communication. You're just happy to see that what you're doing has some positive result. <laughs> I shrugged my shoulders. Yeah. Shook my head, yes. So, 
Moving from there, we were going to talk about transition again. Yay! Yay. Transition. It's still happening. It keeps happening. When I was looking over the list, I, I think I said to you, it's just some more of that transition stuff. Yes, and it's- this has happened a couple times that you'll be like, oh, yes, I'd like to talk about X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, okay. And then we sit down at the microphone, and you're like, okay, yes, I had some things in my head, and X, Y, Z, and... Yes, I did. That's all of five <laughs> minutes. And so you wrote down some notes this time. I, I did. I tried to stop and write some notes, but then it got dark and I didn't finish them. So some of them are here. And usually that gives us enough of a, a point. But I was realizing the other day, and this, this comes from thinking about... Okay, so we got interrupted by grandparents delivering valentine's presents but i think we're back on it now this to me this goes back to one of my favorite podcasts that sabrina did and her podcast to remind me it's called changes in latitude is that right yes okay changes in latitude one of the ones she did was about the voices in in her head and it's i really like it because makes you think about things you don't think about kind of like the new npr podcast invisible things invisibilia yeah they had a gender fluid episode well it wasn't about being gender fluid it was about other things but i like the way that they incorporated a gender fluid person not as a hey look at this crazy pervert Mm -hmm. but as a here's something that happens in people's brains right I liked it. Anyway, but that was not what you were talking about. No, but I'm talking about those types of things. Uh Uh-huh. I am always completely aware of my status in the world as a trans person. Mm Mm-hmm. There's no moment that I don't, as far as I can tell, because I've been kind of trying to be more aware of my (laughs) (laughs) non-awareness. Do I really always notice this? And, And I would imagine that a large part of it is... Because of my transition, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a big change after many years of trying to adapt and train myself to do things a different way. And I think I've always been fairly aware of that, but I had turned a lot of it down. And and now that I've got that plugged back in, the channel's on full blast, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. It It makes you wonder you know, what you've been missing or whether you have had that awareness or whether it wasn't there. Sort of like when you pointed out to me that I was saying full sentences I wasn't aware of, that moment of realization primed you for a whole lot more awareness. Or paranoia. (laughs) Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Well, I think some of it is a curiosity of what things might have been missing during this time. And some of those have come to light in other podcasts we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, to me, it's a bit of an overwhelming feeling. Yeah. You know, when I go out on the porch and think, oh, it's warm, even if it is February, because yeah, we're not having the weather that everybody's... Yeah, the Midwest and the East are getting actual winter, and we're getting... Ready for a real big dry spell. And hopefully not everything will be on fire. But anyhow. No two people are not on fire. (laughs) 
continue. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I think, okay, I'm going to take my shirt off and that'll feel nice. And I am very aware. I'm sitting on my porch. I don't have my shirt on. I have scars. This is only the second year that I've sat outside without my shirt on and had this nice flat with a little concave spot chest. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, I don't hear anything but birds. And then later I hear neighbors. And so I'm aware of all these things and right. what potentially, if any interactions were to occur, what would they be? And how would that affect me? Right. How would I have to manage them or just things or, you know, deal, mm -hmm. with, deal with it? So, right. And I'm, I'm aware of that everywhere all the time. I'm just aware of myself mm -hmm. as a different person than most of what's in the media or most of what I was presented with all my life until now. And, you know, even though I'm, I'm totally thrilled when I find other people like myself, mm -hmm. I'm equally concerned and scared for them. Yes. Just like myself. There is that. <laughs> yeah. So any experience no matter the surroundings, the circumstance, I am very aware of a whole string of scenarios that can happen. And I, I think probably a lot of other trans people can relate. Some of it, I, well, all of that hyper-awareness has to do with being trans. And some of it has to do with making sure I'm in the right place. Yes, such as not having autopilot and going to the wrong bathroom. All the things that you had trained yourself to do, even though they had felt wrong, you had trained yourself well enough to do them that you didn't have to think much about them when you did them. But now that you've retrained yourself to a new set of gendered expectations... Many of which I'm still learning. Your autopilot does not function anymore. No, I had to turn off the autopilot and have to make sure it doesn't try to turn itself on or something. Ugh. You don't want to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You can't just like randomly talk to some lady because she's the only person there. I became very aware of this particular situation when I got to my bi-weekly CEU training. Yes. So you had a training for work. And I got to the, to the location early and I was waiting for the person who gives you a parking pass. And so I went in and there was just one lady in there. And I said something to her, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's rather empty still, or something like that. And she said, yes, it doesn't start until four. And I started talking to her. And then I, that little, you know, mm -hmm. hey, watch the autopilot. Yeah. If you're talking to some lady and that isn't always acceptable. No, it's not. And there's a lot of that that isn't always acceptable. And without going quite so far as to call it sexism, we see it a lot on, you know, TV or media where it's a joke if a woman is overtly sexualizing a man. We've noticed that lately on, on the on TV one of our shows. or on the, yeah, like on Shield, we're just watching the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but there are a couple times where very overtly females are ogling or otherwise overtly sexualizing their male 
colleagues. And if the genders were swapped, that would just be hella creepy. Right. But it's not. It's not. Because there is not the same history. It's probably creepy to somebody, but anyhow. I'm sure it is. <laughs> There's not that history of sexual oppression of men by women that lends the situation the creepiness. So there's that sense of you have to be a little bit more careful about what you say and what you do. Well, and I'm already already trying to be careful because I'm an introvert and I don't want to be rude, but I can sometimes tune out that there's people and then I've talked to a person and so I don't want to be rude and not be polite and introduce myself mm -hmm. or whatever may be appropriate. Right. And but so as I'm like talking and then thinking, oh, if I'm going to talk at this person, I probably should say my name. And then I realize I don't know that it's totally comfortable situation that I should just be talking to some woman alone in a room waiting for something to start. So then I went outside. Yeah. Which probably made things <laughs> even more awkward. Hi, I'm George. I'm going away now. No, we we finished talking and I said, okay, I'm going to go outside and look for the lady who has the parking passes. Okay. So I was confused. Yeah. And sometimes that just leads to social awkwardness. And other times it can lead to like a ding in your professionalism or even worse, a risk to your personal safety. Right. And even though for the most part, I'm not as worried in, in our town about my safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a young guy, so there's not a lot of young guys challenging me. Right. It's a young guy thing. It kind of is. Challenge each other all the time. Give yeah. Give each other shit, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that I'd be more concerned about that if I was younger. But I'm a, I'm aware of it. I have to go to the bathroom and I go in. If I can use the urinal, I'm aware I can use the urinal. If I <laughs> if I don't have SDP with me, I'm like, damn. Uh huh. You know, I'm aware of when I go to meet new people, which I do fairly often at my job. Yes. What their perception of me is, and I had to be aware of that before. Yes. But now I have to figure out if I understand what their perception of me is. And there have been a couple times where you have, I think we've mentioned before that you do work in the mental health field mm -hmm. and that you've had some returning clients that had known you from before. And it's kind of a blessing that they are at the point they're seeing you more focused on their own issues and the only reason that your gender matters is, do I have to explain that to my kids yet? Right. And some of them, not at all. Mm -mm. Some of them are just like, oh, well, this this is just not my problem. I have another problem. Please, can you please help me? Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. So I'm like, sure. I'll yes. Help you. Which, you know, there are, I'm sure, a number of good transgender mental health professionals out there. But... This also leads into the question of calling transgenderism a disorder, gender identity disorder. They renamed it dysphoria now. But still, the idea of pathologizing it and the question of whether or not that's going to affect somebody's perception of you as a professional. Well, I could see how you could think about that. It's not so much something I've, I've really felt to consider. I think 
a fair amount of people in the general public have a regular exposure to media, such as their television screen via cable or such. Yes. And so their input for understanding transgender folks is likely to be whatever has been presented. And not so much of it is really terribly negative at the moment. No, thank goodness. I mean, we're, we're if still you look at the whole timeline of it, yeah, this would be a positive peak. Yes, yes, and we hope we're on the way up still. Yes. But, you know, as far as we went from being total freaks to being accepted but only as the butt of jokes to now being fairly well, even if marginally accepted. Yeah, we're, we're sort of at the, hey, it's really cool to be PC about this. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm okay with that because if people can act civilized because they're trying to be cool, I'm okay with that. They can enlighten themselves if they get there. Mm-hmm. But then there's still... In addition to that cultural awareness of you, there's that your awareness of yourself that we started out talking about. And another thing that I did recently is I I went back for some more body work, Mm. which I I could rewind a little. I probably talked about some time ago about the gym and wanting to work on my pecs. Yeah, that was actually just a few weeks ago Yeah, that we had started talking about that. But I don't think we had gotten too much into why it was a problem. Well... The gung-ho part was, I'm going to master the bench press and get my chest going. And you have a little bit, but there's some problems. Of course there is, because that just seems to be how my body works. (laughs) Poor guy. the problem is, I did get to lift a lot, and it was totally fun. And then my shoulder was, I don't know with my shoulder. It's sort of like if you have um, like a G.I. Joe and... One of his arm sockets is a little broken on the inside, so his shoulder's bent forward. Your right shoulder rolls forward as though your pec muscle is pulling and is not balanced by your back. Right. And that's what we would think anyway, because I've had these other problems, and I had all that flesh taken off of my pecs that was in the way. And rightfully so. Yes. And so I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm trying to do the bench press, and now I have a shoulder problem. It must be my pecs again. It's not, actually. No. No. I went to see a new... Massage therapist. Yeah. I said to you, there must be a way to do some kind of release. This feels like something's tangled. Yes. And 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 so so I went and did... You did what you do. You Googled. I went and I found, you know, different bodybuilding websites and different people who have had the same problem and looked at all these random forums about bodybuilding and about body work and about muscle training. And yeah, I found that there were a couple people who had had the same problem. And one of them specifically had gone to this particular type of uh, massage therapist called active release therapy. Right. And I said, hey, it worked for this guy. I wonder if there's anyone in town that does it here. And then you said, let's see if we can find someone on your insurance, which it turns out... It'll cover it if they're like a licensed chiropractor doing your massage as part of a chiropractic treatment, but they won't cover just an LMT. But you said it might be worth it anyway. And I thought about it, and I decided to call her. But here's another new person that I have to go deal with my body with. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that self-awareness. Yes. 
Yes, I'm aware the whole time of, of different uh, scenarios. Okay, is this person going to ask me about my scars or do I need to talk to them about my chest surgery anyway because this is body work that's related to that muscle tissue underneath? Am, am I going to need to disclose I'm transgender? Is it going to be an issue? If I don't need to, do I want to anyway? Are they going to be a problem about it? I hope they're not a dick because I really need to like have some work done, but if they're a dick, well. So all these things are playing in your head while you're getting ready to go to this new massage person. Right. So I gave her a call and uh, I asked her a little bit about the pricing and the work. And she asked me what was going on. I told her. And so I made an appointment like a few days later and I went there Tuesday. And I put whatever information I have into the scenario, such as this person's from way up north and in that part of the northwest where this person recently came from in the last couple of years. There's a lot of trans people there. And so maybe they're familiar with that or cool with that or don't give a shit. So I really don't know what I'm dealing with. Right. So I did. I went there and she worked on my problem area and what it is is there's two muscles in my back mm-hmm. that are supposed to slide past each other and they're not okay they are stuck hmm. and so what that does is it tells all these other this other chain of events to go down and shut certain circuits off which includes firing my pec mm. my pec won't fire because my shoulder is rolled because my back won't move lovely now here's the other trans-related stuff. I don't know how much of that is related to muscle growth. Because you have developed quite a bit more muscle mass on T. Even though I'm still a tiny person. You went from being 5'4 and what, like 110, 120 at your healthiest, most muscular weight when you were younger. Yeah. And now you're 150 and significantly bulkier, although... Aside from the little man belly, not much bigger, but you're definitely more dense and you do have more bulk, even if it's not a lot more bulk. Right. So I I don't know. It could be related to that. I did have a injury with the deltoid on this side from bodyboarding, like a surfer ran me over, which was better than him hitting me in the head. But anyhow, I did duck and he got my shoulder. And it tore. And I did have a lot of sports therapy at that time. And that was decades ago. That was a couple decades ago. Okay. You know, there could be something from that. There could be something from my chest surgery, which is, again, transition related. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably fair combination of those things. And then there's also this hunching thing that I've done for too many years, ever since I can remember my grandmother saying, straighten up and fly right, as if that was ever going to happen. But, you know. I, you know, I was hunched, like a lot of people who didn't want to have the floppy appendages on their chest yeah. and they didn't want them. And so they hunch over it to, to diminish the, to uh, make it feel like it's going away. Comparative. It doesn't feel like that. Yes. So you have had to learn how to make posture. And I even bought you a posture vest that pulls your shoulders back and makes you straighten your spine. Yeah. But with my shoulder rolled, it doesn't feel very good. So. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But. 
you've worn it a few times anyway, and you can see a difference when you're yeah. wearing it. Plus, what it does is it makes me aware of those muscles, what what they feel like when they're pulled back. Mm-hmm. And what they should feel like on a regular basis yes. to have proper posture. And I like that. Good. I only went one time. I have two more sessions, and they recommend three sessions before you can figure out if it's helping you. Mm-hmm. I do think it was helping. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it going to stick? Right. And being only one time, it's definitely better this week. Of course, last Saturday, knowing that I was going to this LMT on Tuesday, I a little overdid it because I knew I was going. And I thought, well, let me just see how far I can push it. And then I was really, really sore, like Saturday evening and Sunday after having gone to I, the gym on Saturday. I even had to take eventually take an ibuprofen like Sunday night. You did. It, it hurt. <laughs> Which you usually avoid ibuprofen like the plague because it has other uh, anti-inflammatory effects. Yes, it's no good. It's no. no it's no, no good. No. And so, yes. I've always been sensitive to, to medicines in you that have. way. Yeah. You have. My, Pharmaceuticals my have a... If if libido is going to be a side effect at all, you're going to have it. Yeah, so I don't want them. No. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Anyhow, I felt like my arm was looser. Right. Like it felt like it was kind of dangling around because it wasn't all <laughs> tight. Kind of like if I go to the chiropractor or get a massage and I think, if they take too much of the tension out, I won't be able to move. <laughs> So my my arm was all dangly and it just felt like it was kind of able to move around after a really long time. So I'm hopeful. Yes. Because I would really like to do the bench press. In the meantime. Yes. I went to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I'm always watching guys who go over to the bench press to see what they're doing. Okay. Because it's my obsession right now. It is, because this okay. is how you do things. You, you, I enjoy it. It's you fine. learn something by focusing very intently on it. If that's what you want to master, you just go whole hog. Yes. I and love I'll, that about you. I watch you. guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, li- I like to watch guys go over there, and, and I have seen some guys not doing that right, and I just decided it's not right, because I watched a lot of YouTube about this, so, you know. And that totally makes you an expert. It does does make me an expert, and you know. <laughs> so I love you. Uh, most of the guys I've seen doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. So that also makes me think that's the right way. Good. But here's what I saw. Mm-hmm. I saw this old guy go over there and put two five pound weights on the end of the ten pound bar <laughs> and do his bench press, and I was yes! like, "Yeah, <laughs> that guy's doing that. He's a little older than me." But that's great. Yay. Because that, to that, me, that's encouraging. Yeah. Like, just do whatever awesome. you want. And that's kind of how I would do things anyway, even with the cultural expectation of as a male person, I should try for more weight. I should look like I'm wanting to, you know, this is how all the other guys do it. So this is how I should do it. I understand that that is a cultural expectation. In general, I tend to lean into those kind of cultural expectations. You'll have seen me on the weight machines. I go whole hog. I push myself. You go like crazy when you're at the gym. I do. But even so, if there's something that's going to be best for me, I'm not going to do 
what the culture says. I'm going to do what's best for my body. I'm there to be healthy, not to be impressive. Well, when I did start with the bench press, I did start with just the bar so I could get the idea and then a little bit of weight and a little bit of weight because I didn't even know how much the bar weighed at that time. I remember that. And then, you know, I didn't know what I could lift. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, but, but in any case, good that you've gotten some. I, I thought that was great. Fixing your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. And I have I have gone over and and played with the bar a little bit just to see if how my shoulder's doing. Well, and I think that's also part of the the gym that we go to is not the show offs gym. It's not the socializing gym. It's the half of the clients are heart patients from the hospital next door gym. The guy with the five pound weights. <laughs> yeah. Also in regards to pecs and transition, I'm really wondering if I can get very much muscle definition at all at my age. I'm going to try anyway. Good. Because I won't know unless I try. And I, I, I'd like to know certainly what other guys, if they've tried this at all, especially older guys, have found it all. It's my understanding it's always good to lift weights. Yeah. No matter what age you are to right. keep your muscle definition. But I didn't have a lot to start with, so I don't know if I can get more muscle there or not. I got a little, so that's encouraging. It is. And I wasn't it was only a couple of weeks of Good for you. A week and a half maybe before yeah. my shoulder went Yeah. So I'm also curious if anybody any other guys would talk to us about well, it wouldn't just have to be guys, anybody at all, because their daily thoughts and feelings that they might notice that they're uber aware of their self, whether they're trans or genderqueer or... Otherwise, socially out of place in the gender world. Otherly placed. Otherly placed. I don't think they should be out of place. There's a place. Just There's a- get, make some room with your elbows. <laughs> That's what I do. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) We must Uh, make a place for them. Yes. Okay. So if you are making your own place in the gender world, whatever that place looks like, what kind of things are you extra aware of? And like I said before, you can let us know on any of our social media, Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or comment on this episode on our website at transpantastic.net. Yep. We want to hear from you. Yeah, it's nice to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We're going to have another Q&A episode coming up in another couple weeks here. We've gathered enough of them that we've answered privately that it's almost time to make a episode of answering them publicly. I, I hear a lot of other podcasts that do the every single episode they answer their listener feedback, their emails. they got or, more people than us talking. Yeah, they they get more interaction. And like, for example, Transition Transmission, they get a lot of interaction. Well, and it and also has to do with our privacy. It does. You know. Yeah. Changes in latitudes. She's much more interactive, again, because she doesn't have that privacy concern that we have. So I'm not ready to give it up. So No, you're not. And mm. neither am I. But we might be working with them soon. She says that she wants us on. That would be fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's that. We would love to hear from you. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. 
We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Hi, I'm Jess. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, well, let's try it and see if I can do it. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is... Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all of the life that happens between them. You have that memorized! No, actually, I just went to some little switch in the back of my brain and let it go ahead and spit it out. That's how memorization <clears throat> generally works. Oh, well, it wasn't in the front of my memory is what I mean. Oh. It wasn't something I could think of, but I could access that file. Fair enough. I had not deleted it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thinking about... I can. Can relate to that. I don't know if I can come up with enough immediate examples, but I'm going to try to do that while we're talking. And because that's what we do. We yeah. give examples. That's how storytelling works. I know. That's, Sorry. That's how it works. Yeah. And then my wife says, let's sit down at the microphone. And I hadn't been thinking about that all day, so I didn't come up with things sooner than that. <laughs> <laughs>